Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. To another episode of Just Another Fanboy. My name is Steven and I'm your host, and I have a question for you. Y'all watching Stumptown? Because I've been watching some Stumptown. Now, if you're not aware of what Stumptown is, that's okay. There's only three episodes out. Fourth episode lands tonight. It's okay if you don't know what it is. It's all right. There's no judgment here on this side of the microphone. Stumptown is a TV show based on a comic book by Greg Rucka. Like I said, there's only three episodes out right now. Fourth episode hits today. It's uh, It stars Kobe Smulders. You may know her better as, well, she's Maria Hill in the Avengers movies, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. She's also uh, Robin Scherbatsky from How I Met Your Mother. She plays Dex Perios, who is a veteran who is trying to become a private investigator. When the show starts out, she's not a private investigator. I'm, I'm trying to remember how the comic went. It wasn't that long ago that I read the comic. When they announced that they were making the show, I was at once interested because I like Kobe Smulders. I love the character of Robin Scherbatsky. And I've liked her in pretty much anything I've seen her in since, which really, you know, hasn't been all that much. But anyway, the same week that they announced that the show was coming out, the first trade became available on Comixology Unlimited uh, for free, you know, through the Unlimited subscription service. Or I got it through Hoopla. I can't remember. But I read it and I enjoyed it. And I believe she was already a private detective. She may not have been. But the way the book begins, the way the comic begins is pretty much the same way the show begins. Okay, so she is this um, 
She's a veteran. She suffers from PTSD. She drinks a lot and uh, she gambles a lot. So the 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 show and the book takes place in Portland, which apparently is where the name Stumptown comes from. I don't I don't know. This is the first time I'd ever heard Portland referred to as Stumptown. I'm not from Portland. I don't know that I've ever been to Portland. I have seen it on TV, but that's about as close as I've come. I remember Jerry Seinfeld going to Portland in comedians in cars getting coffee. And I watched an entire episode of Portlandia once. That's that's really all my experience. That's where my experience in Portland dies out. But in the book, she's been gambling at this uh, casino. She owes the casino a lot of money. The proprietor of the casino tells her that she will wipe the slate clean, write off all her debts if she goes out and finds her granddaughter who has run away. Her granddaughter is a, a, a teenager, late teens. We're talking like 17, 18. And so Dex agrees to go find her. Well, this is how the book opens too. And I'm sorry, did I say book? I meant TV show. The one parallel they had between the two. So in the book... The opening scene of the book is there's a couple of guys in this car and they drive out to a a freaking lake or the river or somewhere like that. They pop the trunk. She's in the trunk. They pull her out and they're going to shoot her. Well, in the show, the two guys are in the car and they're driving through Portland and she's in the trunk, but she manages to free herself. She, she, uh, gets through a little, you know, the, the little crack between the seats in the back that, that, you know, are in front of the trunk. And she uses a fire extinguisher she found back in there and lets it loose into the car. And then she comes out of the trunk and starts fighting them and they fly off of a bridge. And that's how the show opens. But in the show, she is, they, then they go in both the show and the book, they're like two days earlier or something like that. And so she's in the casino. She's lost all her money. She owes a big debt. The casino owner knows her. There's more of a backstory there. I don't know if they ever get into it in the book, because like I said, I only read the first trade and it's been a long time. But there's a bit of a, they have a history together. You find out that she was uh, in love with this woman's son, whose name is Benny. She, it it wasn't going to happen. So she uh, left and she joined the army or the Marines or something. And then he followed her. And then they went to uh, Afghanistan, and he died there. So, of course, his family blames her. Now, this is after, apparently, because the girl that she goes to find is his daughter. So, they wanted to be together. He ends up marrying somebody else. They don't. They haven't really gotten into that yet, and I don't know if they will, but something about their past, they, wanted, they were high school sweethearts or, or something like that, but he ends up marrying someone else. She, they, they have a kid. And yet he still follows her to the military and and dies overseas. She's pretty messed up about that. She's got PTSD, uh, but she agrees to go find her granddaughter. And that's that's the first episode. So far, these episodes have pretty much been done in one, uh, the first three episodes. She finds the granddaughter. It's this whole thing. It's it's really good. In the second episode, she... Um, she okay, so she becomes friends, and I'm going to use friends in air quotes because they become adult friends uh, with this detective, this cop. And at the end of the first episode, 
he he suggests to her, he recommends that she become a private detective because he thinks she's got a really good head for this kind of stuff. And he thinks that she'd be really good at it. And so in the second episode, she's got this best friend named Gray and he runs a bar. And I can't remember that actor's name, but I'm pretty sure he's the guy that did the voice of Sweatpants Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse movie. He's also in um, That Girl. I think that's the name of that show. New Girl. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, so your cast of characters are basically Dex. She's got a brother that she looks after who has Down syndrome. His name is Ansel. Um, he works at the at the bar that Gray owns. He works for Gray. You have the detective, Detective Miles, something or other. And then you have the, the chief of police who's played by um, Cameron, Carmen, Cameron Mannheim. I'm kind of hit and miss with her, but she's really good in this show. And so in the second episode, Gray refers her to this dude that had come into the bar, told Gray his story, and he said, well, I've got a, I know somebody who's, who's a private detective. And so she gets her first official case, even though she's unlicensed. And it's a, uh, a guy who's trying to find a girl. They met in the bar. They talked for hours. They really connected. She gave him her phone number. And then when he called the next day, it was a fake number. And he's going to give her, he's going to give Dex $1,000 to find this woman. And so Dex finds her. And then we find out, though, that this girl is a con, she's a con artist. And she's got a partner. And her partner is wanted for murder. And there's this con that they play where they, they, you know, they con money out of rich dudes. Well, this girl had actually fallen in love with this dude. He was a mark. But she ended up falling in love with him. And so in the end, she gave him the wrong phone number because she didn't want to get him mixed up in her world. And it was this whole thing. It was really good. It was a good episode. And then in the third episode, she decides to take this private detective thing more seriously and get a license. But she has to apprentice under a licensed private detective for a certain number of hours. And she goes to the, the biggest name in Portland, and they work on this case with a, a, a woman who is trying to divorce a, a famously rich man in Portland. And he's, he's trying to take her kid from her. All she wants, she doesn't want any of his money. She just wants her kid. And he, she claims that he beats her and cheats on her. And so together, these Dex and this other guy find dirt on her husband and then she finds out after this happens that this private investigator who is, who's famous and rich, he uh, sells the evidence to the dude so that they can't use it in court. And it ends kind of weird. So it's a big loss for Dex. She's, she is uh, cheated out of, uh, out of this money by this private investigator, by this guy whose name I can't remember. And they cheated their client. And at the end of the episode, she goes to, to meet their client and she says, he screwed us. He took the evidence and he sold it to your husband, but I'm not going to let him get away with this. I'm not going to let him win. We're going to win this one. And then the episode's over. So I'm assuming then tonight we're going to see a continuation of that. But it's a really, it's just, it's a really fun show. There is, uh, she, she drives this old, I think it's an old Mustang 2 and it's got a, a tape in the tape deck. It's a mixtape that is stuck in there. And it, sometimes she'll hit a, hit a, hit a, uh, like a, like a pothole or a speed bump and I'll click the tape on 
and just some great song from the 70s or 80s will play. And so far, I've enjoyed every song that has come up on the soundtrack that has come out of this tape deck. But then in episode three, one of the songs from the mixtape was I Was Made for Loving You by Kiss. And it really doesn't take much to endear me to a show. All you got to do is play some Kiss, and I'm there. And I was already liking the show, and then they incorporated that. So I gave it my thumbs up. There's also this whole backstory with Gray, because you find out in the second episode that he's an ex-con, and the two of them actually met because he hit on her in a bar, and then they they uh, he took her home, they slept together, she tried to sneak out the next morning, and he continues throughout the next day to to kind of try to pursue a relationship with her, and that's not what she wants. She's not looking for a relationship with anyone, but then they end up becoming best friends instead. But in the second episode, a guy comes to see him from his past. And he's the dude, if you watch Walking Dead, he's the guy from The, from the Walking Dead who plays Dwight, the guy with the big burn scars on the side of his face. He comes to visit Gray because at some point in their past, they helped this big crime boss or somebody, somebody who's big, who, who, who has a lot of influence, who's in prison for the rest of his life, but can still influence stuff outside of prison. He can still run things from prison. And something about some big score that involved him and $500,000, and each of the two got $250,000. They split it in half. And I don't know if they were supposed to hold it for this dude. I think it, might, it sounded like they were supposed to hold it for this guy, but that he goes to prison and uh, Gray used his, his half to, to uh, start up his bar. And then the other guy just spent his half. Well, people come looking for him and his friend is killed. He comes to warn Gray and he's like, hey, I uh, hear he's, he's sending people. He wants to talk to us. And Gray's like, well, you still have your money, right? And he goes, no, I spent it. And he goes, what about you? And he goes, well, how do you think I got this bar? And so the other dude's like, well, look, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm going to run. And so I'll see you later. And then he's dead by the end of the episode. When the cops are investigating this, they find a voicemail on the guy's phone. The last voicemail on his phone is from Gray checking in on him the next morning. And uh, so they come to talk to him about it. He goes to see uh, this crime boss's people. And he's like, look, I know he wants his money. I'll get him his money. He's not going anywhere. He's in prison. I got a successful bar. I can get him his money. And the guy's like, well, now it's $500,000. He goes, what are you talking about? My, fi- my half was only two fifty. said, yeah, but your buddy didn't have his half. So now it's all on you. So let's hope your bar continues to be successful. So now he has to keep making these payments to these bad guys. And then he's not telling Dex about it. You know, that's a big, that's a big thing with a lot of these shows is somebody, one of, one of them's always got a secret. And if they would just tell the other person, then they would probably be able to fix that secret and everything would be okay. But that's how they, that, I don't, I don't know if I want to call that lazy writing. I get it. I get the idea behind it. It's how you create the tension and it's how you uh, create the conflict. But at the same time, there comes a point, like for right now, okay, at this point in the show, it makes sense to me why he's not telling her what's going on. But, if they do like they always do in Supernatural, there's going to come a point where, as the viewer, I'm just going to be like, why haven't you, why don't you just tell her? She can help you. She's your best friend. Just tell her what's going wrong, what's going on. Just tell her what's wrong. 
So there always comes a point where they stretch it out too far, where it's it becomes plausible at first that that the one character won't tell the other character the secret that they're hiding from them. But you can only push it so far before your audience is starting to look at it and think, why haven't why don't they if, if these people just talk to each other, all this stuff would be solved. And of course, for the show, they don't want that to happen. They want to. They want it to stretch on. It's a, another example I'm going to use. I guess is not really quite in the same vein, but the show 24. I've always made the joke when my wife and I were watching 24. We waited until it came out on DVD. We watched the first season. We binged it. You know, back before Netflix was really a thing, and then the second season, and then the third season, and sometime in one at one point in the third season, because it was always the same thing. Something bad was happening. Jack Bauer is trying to find out what was going on. He knew how to handle it. He knew what he needed to do, but all the people above him kept tying his hands. And, you know, well, you can't do that, Jack. You got you to gotta do this. And, and at, at one point during season three, I just kind of shouted out, if you guys would just let Jack do what he needs to do, this show would be called Six. And my wife thought that was pretty funny because, you know, I'm kind of, a, kind of a funny guy. But that's Stumptown. I'm really enjoying it, which means that they're going to cancel it. I hate to tell you that, but anytime a new show comes on that I really enjoy, that seems to come out of left field, it seems to be kind of a slightly, it's not really quirky, but because it's based on a comic book, that already gives it, that already pounds one of the nails into the coffin of the show. The fact that it's based on a comic book and the fact that I'm really enjoying it typically means they're going to cancel it after about four or five episodes. I hope they don't. If you believe the hype that ABC puts out there when they play promos for it, then it's a highly su- successful show, one of the most successful premieres of a, of a show ever. Everybody's loving it. The critics are raving. But again, that usually also means, of course, we're not on Fox. We're on ABC. We're not on Fox. Typically, the Fox probably would have canceled this show by now. But uh, I do worry about that because it, I do feel like anytime I start to really get into a show that's brand new like that, they cancel it. Usually when I get into a show, it's after it's been around for five or six seasons and then I start watching it on Netflix. But this one I'm watching on TV. Well, not really. I'm watching it on Hulu the day after. But still, I'm just afraid they're going to cancel it. Of course, I was afraid they were going to cancel the Orville and the Orville still seems to be around. Granted, it's only going to be starting up its third season. I'm hoping pretty soon. But that stump town, really enjoyable. Private detective in Portland, getting into mischief. Watch it. Or not, you know, I can't tell you what to do. I can only give you recommendations. Anyway, that's the episode. My name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. I'm out. Just Another Fanboy is a presentation of the Stephen or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash stephenrorr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about whatever crawls its way into my tiny little mind just moments before I tap record. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stephenorelse.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at stephenorelse. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.